You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. We're making it up as we go. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein, but you can call me Katie. The story is ours now. You can't have it back. Please be warned that this podcast can and will depict explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Hello, and welcome to Episode 5. Today I will be reading Real Slick Dean, Chapters 1 and 2. Written by Triliath. The pertinent tags for today's story are Alpha, Beta, Omega dynamics Nodding, rutting Lots of semi-dubiously questionably consenting sex, sort of Fuck or die Masturbation Rough sex Shower sex A side of feelings Mostly plotty porn Omega Dean Breeding kink Fertility issues Alpha Castiel, mild discussions of lack of consent between Cass and Dean, background character depicted being raped by criminals in Chapter 1. Castiel is a special victims cop. If you are able, please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. Real Slick Dean Written by Triliath Read for you by Nerdy Nerdenstein Summary There's a new alpha enhancer drug, Rudder, on the streets that gets used at exclusive parties for the worst purposes. Detective Castiel Novak and his partner Balthazar work hard to put a stop to it and other sex crimes in their work as special victims' top detectives. Ellen Harvell's Roadhouse is both a bar and a refuge for unmated Omegas. The Roadhouse gives Omegas the opportunity to have their heaps in peace and, if they so desire, even sell an exclusive supply of high-grade slick for the unmated Alpha on the go. Castiel is such an alpha, career-oriented and having no time for casual sex or potential mates. He's a regular customer who only buys donor D-347's slick. 
He's also a family friend and advocate who helps Omegas in need get connected with Ellen. It's all fine, until one night, after a difficult bust, he brings Ellen a new Omega about to have her first heat. What Alpha Castiel doesn't realize is that he's been overdosed with Rudder during the fight and is about to go into a rut so bad he may die. And if that weren't enough to kill him, the embarrassment he's about to feel will. Because he's about to meet donor D-347 face to face, and neither of them are prepared for what's going to happen. Chapter 1 Alistair made us, Detective Castiel Novak says quietly into his phone. He's furious with himself, and with Naomi, for refusing to give them the resources they needed. It never should have happened. They had been so close, and then that had been exactly the problem. Oh, getting so close, Detective but still too far, I'm afraid. The man smiles to himself as he puts his just-doffed coat back on. It seems I will have to change my evening plans after all. Disappointing, I assure you. And we're about to bust another one of his locations. You need to get that warrant now. Castiel, there's no way. We just don't have enough on him. Can't you hold off the bust? Sam says, sounding tired. And well he should be. It's well past duty hours for all of them, the middle of the damned night. But that dedication is part of what makes Sam Winchester the best ADA the city has. It's also why they are good friends. His eyes are soulless when they return from the significant look sent up to the building on ahead. They promise a dark wrath that will be meted out in some unthinkable manner in the future for this disruption. It's terrifying, but it still makes Castiel glad, because it means there's something in that building they're going to tear down, to ruin for Alistair. But the man hardly bats an eye as he obviously avoids the building and returns to his town car, completely lacking culpability for whatever it is they're going to find. Castiel sighs. I know, but Sam, there's no time. He's not going to stay put. If we do not move now, then it may as well be never. At least not until we find wherever he has set up his operation next. Damn. Damn. Okay. Fine. Do what you have to do. I'll... Whatever. I'll make it work. You do keep things interesting, detective. I'll have to give you that. Well, I'd best be on my way again. Castiel thanks him and ends the call, moving quickly back up to Balthazar's position. Castiel takes a steadying breath, dropping all thoughts of the big fish crime boss 
in favor of the present. He keeps his eyes on the move, scanning their surroundings as they slowly move around the building's perimeter, gathering what sparse information they can on a too brief reconnaissance. It's still too late to do anything that will actually take Alistair down. But it's not always about the big picture. Sometimes it's about a few lives that might be made better. There's still a chance for recovering at least some part of tonight for the good guys. I don't think this is a drug location, Balthazar says quietly to Castiel, turning from his surveillance of the location. Castiel pops forward for a quick scan, sees what Balthazar means, and then he swears. Then that means... Balthazar's eyes are sharp with bitterness as he toggles his phone to call dispatch and relay the address. Castiel unbuttons his trench coat so he can check his spare clips in anticipation of coming violence. Balthazar loosens his tie and does the same. Dispatch, time to upgrade to a 1031 and, shit, send anyone available now. There's got to be a dozen vehicles here at least, a dozen hopped-up alphas. I'll bet my pants we're going to need a 1052 Omega, too. Copy. Dispatch replies. Tinny through Balthazar's cell phone as she repeats the codes and gives him a rundown on available units as they respond. Castiel doesn't even have to look back to nod his acknowledgement, or to know that Balthazar is still at his back as they slip inside the mostly abandoned building. Windows and doors hang broken and open. Scents and sounds slipping through the cracks unhindered and unheeded. It's not long before they can hear the sounds they're grimly expecting. The unmistakable sounds of a horrific act. The years of experience they share leave them both with cool heads, despite the heart-wrenching sound. Castiel's heart is pounding, but it's nothing he hasn't felt before. Still, it's worse tonight than it is most nights on the job. Though being a police officer certainly has its moments, this time he's reminded much more strongly of his days as a soldier, missions of grim purpose and great import. And bad odds. The stairs aren't silent, but they're quiet enough not to break through the raucous crowd inside the only apparently occupied apartment on the third floor. They slide along the wall in silent accord, oil slick, smooth and inexorable. They stack at the door, listening. Balthazar taps his shoulder, a signal for him to move forward and through the door, stun pistol at the ready. He shakes his head, keeping Balthazar at a halt. How long till backup? Castiel demands with a curt hand signal. A sharp, piercing wail cuts through the air to the accompaniment of raucous jeers. Too long, Balthazar spits at a whisper. Castiel winces as the wail cuts short, then turns to softer whimpers as the jeers continue. Balthazar just gives him another look, and he nods. They can't stand by and let this continue even if it means one or both of them goes down trying. This time, Castiel accepts his partner's ready signal. When they push open the front door, the sentry gets a stunner to the throat, 
courtesy of Castiel's marksmanship. He goes down with a thump that gets drowned out by the noise the Alphas are making in the next room with their victim. The dirty living room is empty of any other Alphas. In one corner, there's a thin, red-headed girl, probably no more than seventeen, folded into a cage, naked, reeking of fear. She stares at them with wide eyes as tears spill over her cheeks, and she clamps her hands over her mouth and nods wildly at their bid for silence. For a moment, Castiel is reminded vividly of Anna. She's an Omega, close to heat, but not there yet. Castiel covers the doors while Balthazar picks the lock on her cage with steady hands that speak to his lifetime of practice with breaking and entering. He helps her down, whispering about police arriving soon and for her to get out of the apartment, to get somewhere safe and not too far. She nods over and over, still quiet, a fierce light in her eyes despite the tears. Then she snags a blanket from the lumpy couch and stumbles quickly towards the door out. Balthazar slips up to his side, a question on his face as to Castiel's strategic assessment. It's clear which room the assault is taking place in, but the other door is still cracked, and there are definitely others inside. Taking on two rooms was going to be tricky with just the two of them. Anything short of a two-pronged full-frontal assault would either end up with them getting flanked or getting into a hostage situation that wouldn't end well for the Omega being raped in the next room. Castiel gestures as much, but before they can do anything beyond exchange a glance, the door to the next room pops open, two raged-out alphas shoving and shouting at each other, picking up steam for a full-fledged fight as they hit the stained living room carpet in a heap, others spilling out in their wake. The other door opens further, revealing a quickly dissolving poker game and someone shouting, Fight! Fight! Until everything jerks to a halt when Castiel and Balthazar get noticed and then simultaneously announce themselves as police officers. They start firing as hands reach for weapons. The next few minutes are a familiar blur of shouting and gunfire and smells of violence and sex. With anyone else at his side, Castiel would not have felt any hope for their chances to take on overwhelming odds. But he and Balthazar have been partners for years. They don't need to speak, to look at each other even, to make it through a situation like this. They've survived worse together. Castiel empties his stunner pistol into every alpha in sight within seconds of them bursting through the door hurrying over bodies to get to the room before it can get any worse. He slams home another clip as he clears the doorway, fires again into the remaining alphas in the room, ones who are still actively inside the sobbing Omega, too lost in raging instincts to even notice they were being disturbed until it's too late. Gas! Balthazar bellows. Double taps! It doesn't make sense until it suddenly does. The alphas drooping over the Omega aren't unconscious. Not fully. These police-grade stunner darts are made to more than handle a raging alpha, even one in the middle of mounting an Omega, at their peak. 
yet they're still struggling upright. He hits them again, fast, even as he's swinging back to cover the downed alphas to his back. But it's too late. One of them is hitting him at the knees, tackling him to the ground, her eyes nothing but red with pinprick black dots as she overpowers him with a wild sound of rage. His trench coat tangles his legs as he kicks at her, feeling a sharp pain in his thigh, even as another crawling alpha grabs for his now proximate arm. But he gets a dart to the hand for his trouble, and Castiel swings his aim back to the woman with a powerful hand around his thigh. As he fires, she slams her other fist down on his thigh, jabbing him again with the pen, puncturing into the muscle painfully. They're surprisingly dangerous objects when used with vicious intent. He's nauseated from the adrenaline as he finishes emptying his clip into any alphas he sees stirring, pushing away. Or perhaps it's more than that. The room is almost toxic with the levels of pheromones in the air, but Castiel is not about to let his baser instincts prevent him from helping someone in need. Clear, he shouts, pushing to his feet, stumbling when he tries to put weight on his right leg. But he hobbles back to the door anyway, rushing back up to his partner. Balthazar's call of, Clear, stops him short, however, and he doesn't continue out of the room, given the whimpers coming from behind him. He stows his pistol and hurries back to the table the Omega stretched out on, dizzy as the adrenaline shifts back out of high gear and another system starts pushing for control. As an alpha, Castiel prides himself on his calm and his control over his instincts. He's the only alpha to work sex crimes in a decade. But this, this hits his instincts hard. He hauls the toppled alpha up off the battered young Omega, thankful that her knot has gone down enough for him to pull her erection out of the teenager with ease. The scent of the Omega's heat and slick is like a punch to the face, and Castiel reels as he drops the unconscious woman to the ground like the sack of shit that she is. The male Alpha, who'd been abusing the boy's mouth, has already fallen free of him, though he's still half-pinning the sobbing boy down. He has to get to him. He has to. The man gets halfway thrown against the wall on his way to the ground as Castiel growls in anger. And then Castiel realizes that it's the Alpha, more than the police officer in him, that's demanding he get his hands on the boy, and not in protection. Horrified nausea hits him at the thought. Ball, Castiel hollers, head pounding with the overwhelming scent of Omega in heat. He stumbles back, shaking. His leg hurts where that hopped-up Alpha had nailed him, and he can't seem to calm himself down enough that the scent of the Omega isn't the loudest sound in his mind. As an Alpha, even normally this situation would be difficult, but things like the waves of pain and fear flooding the room would usually be enough to have him shoving his aggressive Alpha instincts aside in favor of his protective ones and his humanity. But here, tonight, something is awfully wrong. Balthazar pops through the doorway, gun in hand at Castiel's shout, but he flinches as he gets a whiff of the room. As a beta, he won't feel it like Castiel does, 
but he can smell something is wrong. The Omega's heat has been pumped up to levels that make it seem like there must be a half a dozen Omegas in heat in the room at once, and the Alphas are all giving off pheromones that almost scream rut. Every second he stands there, the more he feels like he might vibrate apart. He tries again to move towards the door, but his feet barely make it an inch. Ball, I can't seem to. He curls over, breathing through his mouth, trying not to scent the air further. It's okay, I'll get him. Let's get you out first, Balthazar says, ducking under his shoulder and curling an arm around his waist and dragging Castiel forcibly back out into the main room and then beyond to the empty hallway outside the apartment. Once he's out the apartment door, his feet seem to come back under his control, and he takes himself back from his partner. I'm all right, Castiel grunts and moves further away from the door towards a broken hallway window, giving himself a breath of fresher air while his partner disappears back into the apartment. He can hear the sirens in the distance, approaching rapidly, so he's annoyed but accepting of the fact that he's not securing the scene better. Other officers, Betas, will be here soon enough to do it in his stead. Balthazar returns moments later, carrying the whimpering bloody wreck of a boy out the door, still reeking of an absurd amount of pheromones. Castiel forces himself to turn and sprint up the nearby stairs to keep from pursuing the departing Omega the way his instincts rage at him to do. When he pushes out onto the roof of the building, it's a huge relief. After a few deep, calming breaths, the urge to vomit begins to fade, as do the most alpha parts of him. He stares up at the sky, trying to find his equilibrium to understand what the hell was happening to him. The next thing he knows, he's jerking his gun into his hand automatically and whirling before he can even register what has him spooked. Whoa, hey, hi, Mr. Copman, just me. The red-headed girl from earlier blurts, hands going up in the air. She's made a makeshift toga out of the blanket, but she's still shaking from the cold, from the adrenaline. Castiel stows his weapon with an apology, and she just bounces between her feet, brushing it off. No biggie. I mean, you didn't shoot me or anything, so... She shrugs. Totally not the worst part of my night. Indeed. He lifts his eyebrows in agreement. I'll do my best to make sure it will get nothing but better from here. I'm police detective Castiel Novak, he says, showing her his badge. Are you all right? Been worse, she chirps. Except maybe for the whole going into heat thing. That part is kind of terrifying. His gaze narrows as she shivers. You're chilled. We should get you down to the station. The police station? She squeaks. Her head wobbles back and forth rapidly. No, no, no. I am not going to have my first heat in a heat tank. I've heard about the shit that can happen there. He frowns but doesn't deny it, though he knows protocols have improved. His sister Anna's own experiences as an Omega have taught Castiel to never take the system's protection of Omegas as sufficient, even a system he is part of. 
Her little chin goes up defiantly as she continues. Thin arms clutch tightly around her middle. Not if you ever expect me to testify. And I paid attention. I noticed Steph, okay? I'm useful and not even that high maintenance, really. So I'm telling you, you do not want to piss me off. Castiel tips his head and says gravely, Of course not. She eyes him suspiciously, and then just as abruptly relaxes a little. She sniffs absently, testing his scent. Okay, um, so... He frowns. If you're determined not to go to the station, then where may I take you? Do you have a family? I live at, well, lived at the Yabo shelter until they nabbed me. Actually, they've probably given away my bunk already. Even if they have not, they would never let you in again smelling like that. Castiel points out gently. Oh, oh, because, shit, I forgot. I don't qualify for the why part anymore. At least, not after the next couple days. Shit, shit, shit! She blurts, moving around in a frustrated circle, bouncing on the balls of her feet, body more than impatient to start running and never stop until an alpha makes her. She's far too close to her heat for comfort for either of them. I can't go to the heat tank. I can't, she says, voice going high with panic. Calm down, Castiel orders, and the Omega responds to the Alpha immediately, stopping in her tracks and looking at him. Castiel, the police officer, knows that taking an unmated, unsheltered Omega to the tank is proper protocol. But Castiel, the man, almost never follows that particular protocol, much to Naomi's annoyance and grudging acceptance. It's one of the only things he is adamant about. I know of a place where you'd be safe to have your heat in peace, if that's what you want. I sure as hell don't want a mate or a baby at seventeen, she snaps back, though it's fear, not anger, behind her sharp words. A friend of mine named Ellen Harvell runs a place called the Roadhouse. The Slickery? The girl squeaks, eyes wide. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not whoring. It's not. Castiel snaps before he purses his lips together and takes a steadying breath. Regardless of what you may think of that particular form of sex work, the Roadhouse is also a safe haven for Omegas in heat. She'll give you a place to get through your heat in peace. Nothing more. No strings of any kind. I give you my word on that. She lifts an eyebrow at him. You're for real, huh? I am, he agrees firmly. I've worked with her to help a number of vulnerable Omegas over the years. Her face pinches in thought and she starts bouncing between her toes again, but he gives her a moment to think it over when his phone vibrates on his belt. He checks the readout before answering immediately. Ball? Where are you at, love? The sound of ambulance sirens are loud in the background. The roof, catching a breather with... He lifts an eyebrow at the girl. Charlie, she blurts. Charlie, the other Omega. 
We're both fine. I'm offering to take her to Ellen's. Balthazar sighs. Yes, that does seem like it would be for the best. The toss is a dispatch sent an alpha driver for the ambulance. How the hell? Balthazar grunts bitterly as he interrupts with, Damned if I know. Something about bollocked up swapped shifts or something equally insipid. Point is, I'm stuck on board with the Vic getting us to the hospital. Can you manage on your own? Of course, Castiel says sharply, irritated at his fitness being challenged. Balthazar just snorts. Like Castiel, he's probably chalking it up to the leftover adrenaline. We'll be fine, though it would be appreciated if you could run a little interference with Naomi. I'll let you know if anything comes up, he says more calmly. Can do, Cassie. I was always better with the evil stepmother anyway. Balthazar sings back, his usual cheerful self. Castiel won't deny that. Lieutenant Naomi gets under his skin. Okay, Charlie blurts when he hangs up the phone. I'll go to the roadhouse. He looks at her studiously brave countenance and nods. Then we best get moving, he says, leading the way to the fire escape as he flips through his recent calls in search of another frequent contact. The metal steps down are in decent condition and will provide an easier escape than the interior of the building that's now swarming with an official presence. Forgive me for calling this late, Castiel says, forcing himself to be humble despite the wave of challenge that washes through him when Ellen answers with a gruff, What? I'm on my way with an Omega about to hit her first heat. Her name is Charlie, and she doesn't have anywhere else to go. He switches to headset as he leads them down the metal stairs, treading as quietly as he can. Charlie's bare feet behind him are silent, though he can feel her presence close behind him. Oh, well, hell, Ellen mutters. Ash is out of town. Joe's still in heat, and I don't have... She sighs, and he hears the sound of covers being thrown back. Well, maybe I can call Dean, she murmurs. All right, I'll try him, but in the meantime, bring her here. Push comes to shove, we'll lock her in alone. Not ideal, but better than getting raped in the streets. I'm inclined to agree, Castiel murmurs dryly before signing off. The escape ladder is obnoxiously loud in the empty alley, and he hurries down it urging Charlie after him quickly. He slips along the alley wall to peer around the corner. Part of him is annoyed at all the sneaking, though he recognizes it for the irrational alpha influence that it is. The coast is clear, so he gives Charlie a nod and leads her away down the street to where his car is parked. Full of nervous energy, she starts to skip along ahead of him, and he grabs her shoulder, hard, giving her a firm shake of his head when she looks up at him in surprise. Walk behind me. His training means he should be at point regardless, but he's not sure what will happen right now if he sees her run. He's too on edge to trust himself. He's not going to let this red-headed Omega down. No matter what, he owes Anna that much.
Chapter 2 The drive is thankfully brief, though he puts her in the back seat in the opposite corner from him and rolls down his window just a crack. Enough to get him some fresh air, but not so much as to leave her scent flooding the street in their wake. Ellen's waiting for them when he punches in his security code and opens the back door to the roadhouse. The sight of another Alpha after tonight's excitement, no matter how friendly or distantly spaced, sets his teeth on edge. But he tries to calm himself, if only for the sake of Charlie's emotional state by proxy. Charlie jumps as the heavy security door shuts behind them and cycles through its lock, and he puts a calming hand on her shoulder automatically. I'll be damned, Castiel, you didn't even get the girl any clothes? Ellen demands, hands on her hips. He looks over at Charlie speculatively. She's sufficiently covered. I had no others at my disposal. Putting her in his own coat would simply have accelerated her heat, drenched in stressed alpha pheromones. She's wearing a blanket, Ellen points out with an eye roll, teasing to diffuse the tension in the air. Charlie shrugs under their scrutiny. Dunno, I kind of like it. Blanket toga? Bloga? Tonket. Yep, I'm good with my tonket. Besides, I'm just going to want to get naked again soon anyway, right? She says with a laugh, still hopping lightly between her feet. Castiel nods solemnly. He can smell the pheromones curling slowly off her skin, potently enough that it's a conscious effort on his part not to draw them in more deeply. Ellen has no such compunction, moving a careful few feet closer and drawing in a deep-scenting breath that sends her eyebrows up. That you are. Got maybe six hours tops before it really hits. So you're, what, like the Yoda to Omegas around here? Charlie asks skeptically, interested, but still staying far away from Ellen, halfway behind Castiel's shoulder. Ellen just casts her eyes skyward. Ash would be out of town for this. She muttered, shaking her head as she leads the way back up the hallway that leads into the bar proper. I do what I can is all, same as Castiel here. If only it were enough, Castiel murmurs, uncharacteristically bitter, earning a surprised glance from Ellen before she pushes the decorative saloon-style doors open. Well, should be helpful for Charlie here anyway. She says, heading on inside. Dean's got plenty of experience with heat since he ain't never taken a mate. Wow, Charlie says as she steps through the doors after her. This is like straight out of Firefly. That's the idea, Ellen says with a laugh, turning a softly proud look on her new Old West-themed bar. Between Joe and Ash, I never really had a chance. I've changed my mind. Tonight is all kinds of awesome. Ellen laughs again, shaking her head. Well, Dean's on his way, so I think it'd be best if we just sit and have a wait for him out here. That's all right with y'all. It's not really a question, but Castiel nods absently. Charlie casts a nervous look at him, and he offers her a tight smile. I'll stay until he gets here so I can size him up for you. She nods her agreement fervently. Please, thank you. You've not met Dean? 
Ellen asks, surprised, and then says to Charlie, Have a seat, darling. I'll get you something to drink. Water or juice? Juice, please, she replies. No, Castiel confirms. His name does sound vaguely familiar, like Sam or Joe has mentioned him in the past. Should I have? She tilts her head in thought as she gets a small juice from the bar fridge. Don't suppose so. You two are on opposite ends of the crew, I guess. You're not around much for socializing, which I'd box your ears over if I had the time. He quirks a tiny smile at her for that. Anyway, he and Sam butt heads too much, especially on the legal stuff, as you might expect. So it makes sense you wouldn't see him when you're here with Sam. He mostly helps out behind the scenes here every now and again. Pulls a bar shift on busy nights sometimes. But he's family, same as you. It warms him to be included in that grouping so easily. Then it's good that I'll get to meet him. She doesn't offer Castiel alcohol as she pours herself a drink because she knows he never drinks on the job. He only occasionally comes by the roadhouse in his off hours, but even then it's usually to talk shop instead of have a night out. Charlie nurses her juice and slowly relaxes as Ellen asks her casual, friendly questions about who she is, where she's from, and why she's out on her own. Ellen's skilled at handling nervous omegas, not pushing too hard on tender secrets, but drawing them out enough to get a feel for potential options for their future. Over the years, she's bridged a great number of connections to omega-friendly workplaces and organizations, everything from shelters to mating services. Before long, Charlie's talking rapid-fired, asking questions of her own about the slickery and the roadhouse in general, now that she's realized some of her assumptions were flawed. Apparently, the fact that Omegas can safely collect and sell their heat and arousal-induced lubricating bodily fluids no longer counts as whoring. It walks a fine line, he supposes, but if it gives Omegas some control and a source of income, he's not going to question it. As a consumer and advocate both, he has always thought it a valuable practice. Then again, thinking about the heady, intimate scent of Omega Slick isn't doing anything to calm him down. He does his best to tune out their further conversation and watches the door instead, waiting for the lauded Dean. Castiel wants nothing more than to go home and escape from the overwhelming remainder of the world, but he's promised to see this through. He thinks he's managing well enough until Ellen calls his name for the second time and points out that he's pacing back and forth over the polished wooden floor. He stops pacing and heads back over to the bar, leaning his hands against it and deliberately trying to calm his system. Boy, you sure look like you could use a drink, Ellen says, pouring him a finger of bourbon without asking. Since when do I ever drink? He snaps. And then he promptly takes the damn bourbon and tips it down his throat. He stares at the glass in his hand, perplexed, as does Ellen. Charlie makes a surprised and worried sound. He turns narrowed eyes on her, frowning. Hey, Cass, um, did, did you maybe get nailed with that rudder injection pin and all the... 
She mimes pistols with her hands. Because, you know, I'm no expert in... She waves her hands at him. You, you know, you. But they had tons of that shit around, and you seem a lot like how other alphas would get after the injection. Castiel feels blood drained from his face. Fuck, he pronounces carefully, sitting heavily on the bar stool, looking down at his thigh, which is still throbbing dully. Of course that's what it had been. How did I not catch that? Rudder, Ellen says, then swears under her breath and turns back away from the bar, heading to the end of it, to the well-fortified slickery cage with all its lovely bottles of pure Omega Slick on display behind the heavy, reinforced decorative metal grates. She punches the code into the first door, then into the second, not bothering to close the doors behind her since it's just them and the roadhouse this late into the night. Like, it takes a while to ramp them up, you know? Like an hour or two. I guess that's why they were always playing poker, Charlie says with a shrug. That or they just really love the evil cliches. Charlie continues to chatter, but Castiel tunes her nervous voice out for the most part. Because he's still processing this new information about what he's in for in the next few days, it takes Castiel a minute to understand what Ellen's doing as she looks through the inventory of refrigerated jars. D-347, right? The donor code for the only Omega Slick he ever buys. Charlie makes a tiny meep of giggling surprise, eyes wide as she looks at him. His cheeks heat up as he strides over to the slickery cage and hisses, Ellen. Ellen makes a sound of triumph and turns, slides the full-sized jar through the dispensary gap in the antique grate. Ellen. It's called a present, Castiel. Friends give those to each other sometimes, you know. Castiel promptly slides it right back setting his jaw. Ellen, I can't. This is far too much. Far too expensive. She shakes her head at the set of his chin, and after a moment he turns around to put the jar back. But she doesn't give up, just switches it for a much smaller jar. He opens his mouth to protest, then hesitates when the light catches the shine, a rush of desire flooding him at the thought. This is more the size he can afford when he splurges, but it's still several hundred dollars worth. But she's seen his hesitation, and her voice is firm when she cuts him off to say, Son, you saved two lives tonight at the risk of your own, and you're getting a hell of a night or three of suffering for your troubles. It's the least I can do. Charlie jerks back to her feet when they hear the sound of the front door to the bar opening. Then she's edging quickly closer to Castiel, which, though he understands, he wishes she wouldn't do. It just makes everything that much harder when a flood of nervous, almost-in-heat Omega rushes his way. It's part of his nature to want to calm her and protect her and cover her. Ellen shuts the gate as she steps out and around the pass-through, saying, Probably just Dean. But it's not the mysterious Dean who opens the saloon-style inner front doors. Sam, Castiel says, surprised. Hey, he replies, offering a friendly grin to Castiel and a politely wide berth to Charlie, 
as he exchanges a warm hug with Ellen. Well, ain't this a surprise, Ellen says, giving him a little shake. Seems like I haven't seen you here in months, boy. Yeah, well, I was getting a ride home from Dean when you called him. I thought I'd pop in and see if I could help or just say hi before I take a cab the rest of the way. Well, now isn't that sweet? She turns to Charlie quickly to explain why that's sweet, even though she's now outnumbered three alphas to one omega. Sam here is a special victim's ADA, and he does pro bono omega cases when he can. Sam, this is Charlie. Youngin's about to hit her first heat, so Cass brought her by. Sam doesn't offer to shake hands, given that info. He's well aware of his towering alpha presence and has always been careful with it in Castiel's experience. Instead, he gives her a friendly wave that's too sweet to be awkward, and Charlie returns it with a gesture Castiel recognizes vaguely as some sort of nerd symbol Joe and Ash throw at each other occasionally. Sam laughs, returns it easily, and Charlie grins, relaxing a little more. Nice to meet you. He turns to Castiel as Charlie scoots carefully back towards the bar and her neglected juice. Oh, and Cass, before you ask, yes, I got a warrant. It's not a great one, but it was all Judge Moore would sign off on. It's a foot in the door. Michael's serving it right now. Castiel nods, sharply pleased that at least part of his and Balthazar's fuck-up will be mitigated. I am very glad to hear that. I suppose we'll just have to hope for the best now. Sam blows out his lips and lifts his brow in agreement. The bust you made tonight should help, since you can place him at the scene. It'll at least help us get more scope for the warrant. More if any of those alphas flip on him and confirm his presence inside the apartment. Cassiel glances at Charlie. She bites her lip, and he gives her a tiny shake of his head. He'll have Balthazar talk to her as soon as he can come by and get her statement and forward it on to Sam, but only once she's safely locked in her heat room. A couple hours' delay won't make much difference on Sam's end in the middle of the night, but it'll keep her safe. So where the hell's Dean run off to? Sam turns his grin over to Ellen again. Oh, parking the Impala round back. You know how particular he is about the right parking spot away from everyone else who might dare park near him, he says, rolling his eyes. Anyway, as soon as he gets his baby settled, he'll be in. Good, Ellen says, then turns to Castiel. See, we're all set now. Charlie's going to be in good hands, and you have more pressing matters to attend to, she says, marching over and extending the jar pointedly. Bad guys dosed him with rudder. Charlie stage whispers to Sam clearly having decided that he's one of the good guys. It earns a low, sympathetic whistle. Ellen, he chides, nudging the jar back towards her, cheeks hot in humiliation with the seemingly ever-growing audience to his predicament. Damn it, Cash, just take it and get the hell home. Affectionately gruff as she shoves the jar into his hands. Charlie fidgets and then waves at Castiel. I'll be fine. Go. I've got your number and everything, and I'll tell you everything as soon as I can, I promise, okay? Super Triple Pinky Swear by Grothbar's Hammer. Sam snorts. I have no idea what that means, Castiel murmurs, which just makes Charlie roll her eyes and grin. 
It makes him smile in turn, feeling a wave of affection for the girl who no longer reminds him of his sister save in appearance. But he does have more pressing matters to attend to, so he nods to them all and turns, heading out of the room and making for the winding hallway to the back door of the facility to where his car is parked. He walks through the dimmed hallway, looking down at the jar in his hands. Then he jerks his gaze away from it when his thoughts start sliding rapidly into what he's going to do with it. How he'll be rubbing the pheromone-rich fluid into his knot, stroking it to size, and tying it off so that... The door opens abruptly and Castiel looks up as a man walks through the door, distracted, looking at his phone as he slips inside and tugs the high-security door shut along with him. He opens his mouth to murmur a polite greeting and continue on his way, but Castiel jerks to a halt as the man's scent hits him. The scent. The scent. His heart kicks into overdrive, and various glands flare to maximum output flooding his system with adrenaline and hormones and everything that makes him an alpha. Because there he is. The one. Right there. So close. So alone in a hallway where... Ellen! Cash shouts, body moving inexorably forward, slow step by slow step despite his desperate struggle to stop himself. The Omega, except this must be Dean, he realizes. Dean whips his head up at the sound of his voice, dropping easily into a more defensive stance. He's beautiful. Stunningly so, with freckles and hair the color of wheat shimmering in the twilight. With eyes the color of spring grass and tart apples. It matches his scent. Crisp. Tart. Fresh apple pie dipped in sex and whiskey. Everything that's haunted his dreams, here, now, in full sensory overload. Castiel shudders with twin floods of horror and joy at the realization that there's no way Dean is going to be able to get past Castiel to safety. The hallway is too narrow, the high-security code cycle door too slow and... It's okay, man, I work here, Dean says, relaxing a little as his eyes skate over Castiel's badge on his belt. Not a lot, but a little. It is not okay, Cass manages. The hell it's not, Ellen will tell you, Dean says, tensing again. Ellen, Sam, I need help now. Castiel bellows over his shoulder down the hallway though he can't take his eyes from Dean, not even to blink. Then, more quietly, he pleads with Dean, Please don't try to run. It will only make things worse. The fuck, dude? Dean demands, sharp green eyes assessing the situation. He doesn't look too worried, but he doesn't understand what's happening, or who it's happening to. The jar tumbles numbly from Castiel's hand, shattering on the floor and flooding the hallway with a stale version of Dean's scent. But he doesn't need the jar anymore. Not with the real thing in front of him. Dean's face wrinkles at the scent, 
dismay and anger and embarrassment flooding his face in a rush. Whoa. Back off, dude. I don't know what the hell you're thinking, but I am not fucking interested. Dean snaps, voice rough as he reaches back for the door, jabbing at the lock cycle box. I know. I'm sorry, Castiel grits out. But the sight of Dean attempting to flee combined with the intimate flood of slick scent in the hallway is just accelerating his rapid loss of control. Cass surges forward, desperate to get his hands on Dean, to pin him down and take and mark and... Dean hits him. Hard. And it's good because it has him reeling. Instincts not prepared for an Omega who fights like that. His rut stutters, primal side of his mind momentarily confused. Can't Dean smell how much he wants him? How much he needs him? Castiel won't hurt him. Not really. He has to know that. Another blow comes his way, and it's only a matter of moments before Castiel's other deep-wired responses come online, and he's dropping into fighting mode, responding smoothly to Dean's next attack. Castiel winds his arms deftly through and under the next few punches, and then he's slipping close, getting two strong hands on a too-resistant body. If he were just some random alpha knothead, if he weren't a trained fighter, Dean would likely have been able to hold him off. But not Castiel. Not with his military training and his drug-hyped rut flaring high and flooding his system with too much adrenaline. He gets him twisted up in an arm bar, slamming him face-first into the wall to the sound of a low grunt getting forced from his lungs. So perfect, Castiel murmurs dragging in deep lungfuls of Dean's scent and grinding his cock against Dean's ass through the layers of their clothing. It's the worst and best thing he's ever felt in his life. He groans. Dean struggling against him, a steady stream of muffled curses coming out against the wall. But the Omega's own instincts are giving as good as they're getting. Arousal floods the air, the familiar scent of his slick adding its unique layer to the air. But it's so different. Fresh. Made just for him. His. Wanted this for so long. Castiel whispers despite himself, mouthing at the back of Dean's neck. Then suddenly the world goes spinning as he's yanked backwards. Years of wrangling unruly alphas have given Ellen just the experience she needs to have him in a headlock before he knows what's hit him. He snarls with rage, red edging his vision. What the fuck? A horse Dean demands, furious, glorious in his wrath as he pushes off the wall, rolling his abused shoulder once and then bringing his hands up again, looking at Castiel with murderous intent. He's beautiful. Perfect. Castiel strains towards him, ignoring the pain at his throat. In a moment, Castiel's body is going to remember that he's very well-trained and has plenty of ways to take down Ellen even from here. Dean? Ellen warns as the Omega strides closer, fists curling up, ready to land another blow on Castiel. It's not his fault, Dean. 
Sam says as he cuts in between them, shoving the Omega back with a familiarity that makes Castiel want to tear his throat out. But he can't be Sam's mate, can he? He doesn't smell mated. Ellen had said so too. No, he's ripe. Fresh. He's Castiel's for the taking. The thought hits him like a punch. Castiel doesn't take anything from anyone. Not ever. Sam, help. He grits out even as he snarls, furious in the presence of another alpha bent on challenging him. But Sam's already moving towards him, lending his superior physical mask to the task of wrestling Cass away from Dean. Damn it, Dean, just stay back. Between the two alphas, it doesn't matter how hopped up he is, how much Cass struggles. They are more than able to drag him away, up the hallway and even up the stairs, though that part isn't easy. But they do it, and get him around a corner to where one of the isolated locked doors is. Ellen punches the code quickly and elbows open the handle down, door falling open and the three of them tumbling into the small bedroom. When the door shuts and cycles locked, separating him definitively from Dean and Dean's scent, it's enough to send him into a twisting fit of rage. No, Castiel shouts. He's mine. Mine. Let me have him. Sam slams him up against the wall, snarling back at him and holding him hard with Ellen right beside him, pinning him there till the rage wears itself out. He comes back to himself for a few moments as the wave of adrenaline fades. Thank you, he grits out, squeezing his eyes shut in humiliation. But his instincts won't allow for that defenselessness for long. His eyes snap open again. Sam offers him a terse nod, a worried expression on his face. Welcome. We're going to let you rut it out, Ellen says voice calm and all pragmatism as Sam carries him over to the bed and tugs him out of his trench coat. Ellen strips Castiel's badge and gun and other personal effects with sharp, efficient movements. These will go in the safe. Sorry. Castiel manages, twisting his fingers through the sheets to give himself something to hold on to. Don't you apologize, son. Just glad you were here when it hit. I'm going to call that partner of yours for you and find out what I can. He nods absently, but they're not important anymore. What's important is scenting the air for any traces of Dean's scent. The next time he looks down, they're gone. Thank you so much for your support. You can contact me on Twitter, Tumblr, or by emailing me at makingitupaswegopod at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. <laughs>